0: chapter eight of molly brown's junior days by nell speed this librivox recording is in the public domain covering their tracks when the dressing bell rang next morning three heavy-eyed and extremely weary young women felt obliged to pull themselves together and appear at the breakfast table judy had caught cold and to disguise this condition had plastered pink powder on her nose and now held her breath almost to suffocation to avoid coughing in public have you heard the news demanded Jessie, hurrying in late and sitting next to nance why no what is it asked nance calmly molly felt the color rising in her cheeks and judy buried her snuffles in a long letter from her mother there's the greatest tale going around the quadrangle everybody is talking about it continued Jessie. one of the chambermaids started it i think because she told it to me just now "'What is it?' asked Edith Williams impatiently. "'Some of the quadrangle girls were out last night gallivanting. "'They climbed through the tower room window, left a bench outside and the window open. "'I suppose the watchman frightened them before they could hide all traces.' "'That sounds like a wild freak,' commented Catherine. "'What do you suppose they were doing?' "'They might have been doing lots of things,' replied Jessie mysteriously." The maids said the watchman thought they had been driving or motoring with some Exmoor boys. Phew, ejaculated a sophomore. I'm sorry for them if they are found out. I happen to know Prexy's feelings about escapades like that. Why, were you ever caught? No, of course not. Don't you see me sitting here at the table? But my older sister was in the class with a girl who was caught. She was a campus girl. What happened to her? demanded Judy, forgetting her cold in the interest of the story. Bounced, answered the sophomore briefly. The Williamses and Jessie looked at Judy with mixed feelings of surprise. Not because they noticed her cold or regarded it with any suspicion, but because when they had parted company with her the night before, she had been in the throes of a jealous rage and had spoken most insultingly to her best friend. Their glances shifted to Molly. The two girls were seated side by side. Judy was leaning affectionately against Molly's shoulder while they looked together at a picture postcard sent by Mary Stewart from France. All bets are off, whispered Edith to her sister. They have made it up. Molly is an angel of forgiveness. We were wrong for once. And Margaret was correct. A pound of Mexican kisses and two pounds of mixed chocolates, said Margaret in Edith's other ear. I've won my bet. I hope you'll take notice. We were just taking notice, answered Edith. But there's some more of the story, piped out Jessie again. Don't you want to hear the most exciting part? Heavens, yes. Did they catch them? asked several voices. No, no, but one of the girls was wet, announced Jessie impressively. She left a trail of water after her all the way up the steps. I should think they could have traced her by that, said Margaret. They could have if she had kept on trailing, but she must have remembered and held up her skirt, for it stopped right there. Wise lady, put in Catherine. She must have been canoeing and not driving then, observed Margaret. Else, why the significant fact of wet clothes? Nice night to go canoeing in, cold and dark. Strange notion of pleasure, remarked Edith well there's more still to come announced jessie when they had finished commenting on this remarkable escapade for heaven's sake jessie you're like a serial story of adventure a thriller in every chapter what now well said jessie you may well prepare for a thriller this time the watchman found something what what they cried and nance judy and molly joined in the chorus with as much excitement as any of the others he found a slipper. Judy made an enormous effort to keep her hand from trembling as she raised her coffee cup to her dry feverish lips. Molly, as usual under excitement, changed from white to red and red to white. Nance alone seemed perfectly calm. I don't see how they can prove anything by that, she observed. There are probably 50 girls or even a hundred who wear the same size shoes here. Molly is the only girl I know of who wears a peculiar size, six and a half triple A. Well, one thing is certain, and the rest is lies, as old Omar remarked, said Margaret, rising from the table. And that is, all juniors can prove an alibi last night. No junior would ever go gallivanting on the night of the junior play. Hardly, answered Nance, who had risen to the occasion with fine spirit and tact molly's face resumed its normal color and judy looked relieved the thing they will have to do said edith is to find the other slipper and if the owner of that slipper takes my advice she'll drop it down the deepest well in wellington county molly and nance and judy hurried through breakfast and rushed back to their apartment they locked all the doors carefully and gathered in judy's room we have nearly fifteen minutes before chapel said nance speaking rapidly Judy, are your things dry? Get them quickly. They may search our rooms. Miss Walker is pretty determined once she's roused, I hear. Judy gathered up the stiff, rough dry garments that had been hanging on the heater all night, while Molly found tossed in a corner the mate to the fatal slipper. Judy held up Viola's dress of old rose velvet. It's ruined, she exclaimed and that's another complication. Suppose, don't suppose, interrupted Molly hastily, snatching the dress away from her. Hurry, Nance, where shall we put them? For a temporary safe hiding place, they chose the interior of the upright piano. Then they hastily made their beds, set their dressing tables to rights, and dashed off to chapel just as a matron appeared on an ostensible tour of inspection. It was possible that she was not being very vigilant with the juniors, however, that particular morning, knowing that they were one and all engaged in producing a very important play the night before. At any rate, she only glanced casually around, saw nothing incriminating, and departed to the next room. The president looked grave and worried at chapel, but, contrary to expectations, she had nothing to say after the prayer. It's a bad sign, observed a student when Prexy doesn't say anything, she means business. Except for a few moments at lunch, the three girls did not meet in private consultation again until late in the afternoon. There was a busy sign on their study door. Molly smiled knowingly to herself and gave the Masonic tap. It's a good idea, she thought, and we'll keep out inquisitive people until we decide what to do. She found Judy stretched on the sofa, feverish and coughing, while Nance was dosing her with a large dose of quinine and an additional dose of sweet spirits of nitre. You're going to kill me, Nance, Judy was grumbling. For heaven's sakes, be quiet, scolded Nance. You haven't any voice to waste. Molly, will you make her a hot lemonade? I think we had better get her to bed and cover her up with all the comforts so as to bring on a perspiration. Only one? inquired judy get up from there and go to bed ordered nance the inspection is over and there won't be any chance of another one to-day you'll have to miss supper to-night we'll say you have one of your sick headaches judy obediently got out of her things while molly flew around making hot lemonade and nance hung a blanket over the heater and pulled down their three winter comforts off of a shelf in the closet Judy meekly allowed herself to be smothered under a mountain of covers while she drank the lemonade with childish enjoyment. You always make good ones, Molly, darling, because you put in enough sugar. I'll probably be melted into a fountain of perspiration like Undine. only she went away in tears, she complained presently. That's the object of the treatment, answered Nance sternly. Whatever is left of you after the melting process is over is quite well of the cold molly could have laughed if she had not been thinking of something else very hard the two girls sat down on the divan and began a subdued and earnest conversation what are we to do with these things molly we can't leave them in the piano because the moment someone sits down to play we'll be discovered murderers take up the planks in the floor and hide their blood-stained clothing underneath observed molly but we can't do that of course they took the bundle from its hiding place and looked over the garments. I have an idea, announced Nance, who had many practical notions on the subject of clothes. Suppose we take the dress to the cleaners in the village and have it steamed. Why can't we steam it ourselves over the tea kettle? demanded Molly. We can, and we'll do it right now and press it on the wrong side. If it hadn't been so much admired, it wouldn't matter so very much, but someone's sure to ask to see it or borrow it or something. How about the underclothes? Can't we smooth them out with a hot iron before they go to the laundry? They set to work at once to heat water and irons, and presently were engaged in restoring the old rose velvet to a semblance of its former beauty. What are we going to do about that slipper, demanded Molly, pausing in her labors. I've made up my mind to that, replied Nance. We must bury it. End of chapter 8 Recording by Debbie R. Baker Robinson.